Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Don Raffa, and join with me as my co-host, Anthony Dana. How's it going today, Anthony? Good afternoon, everyone. Episode 15, Bipolar Disorder. Mm-hmm. Good topic. And, yes. So do you have a quote? Uh, yeah, I do. My quote is uh, by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Every man has his secret sorrows, which the world knows not, and oftentimes we call a man cold when he is only sad. Well, you know, I get this a lot, and people do it to, I think everybody, and I probably do it to people too, you know, when you see people quiet and solace, and are you okay? And maybe they're not, but maybe they're okay with not being okay. You don't know what they went through, and everybody has a sorrow that they're maybe going through at the time, or they're reminiscing, and... That's kind of like what I get out of it with what he's saying about in general with people who you know might be dealing with depression. I think that depression could look like coldness because people are aloof or they're avoidant or they may look in like they're in a bad mood or very cold and, you know, just kind of standoffish when they actually could be grieving or they could be sad. <laughs> people, you know, jump to conclusions, yeah. which of course is a cognitive distortion of an assumption. I know I can, I mean, I'm an expert on me, so I can only speak for myself, but maybe other people feel this way. I know if I'm in that mood, mm-hmm. I'm doing you a favor <laughs> by, by avoiding you and not talking to you. You know, I'm not a party right now, so I just kind of want to be left alone. And the more you try to cheer me up, you know, maybe the more I'm I'm just not going to be annoyed. Yeah, I'm not going to be receptive to that, you know, behavior. It's just kind of like not a good time. It'll pass, you sure. know. But yeah. Well, people suffer in silence often when they have major depressive disorder. They'll have these beliefs about being a burden, or uh, no one cares anyway, or I don't want to bother anybody. Right. And then you know, become self fulfilling. Well, if they're like this all the time, then that's a different story. You know, if mm-hmm. I, you know, if it's like a week and I'm still like this, okay, maybe you might want to, mm-hmm. you know, right. help me out or be a friend. Sure. Yeah. So I think. I think it's that people often mistake coldness for sadness with uh, mental illness for sure. Okay. All right. So do you have one? Yes. So bear with me. So like yours, it's another artist. He's a writer of sorts. Okay. Manic depression is touching my soul. I know what I want, but I just don't know how to get it, how to go about getting it. Feeling, sweet feeling drops from my fingers, fingers. Manic depression is catching my soul. Yeah. And that is Jimi Hendrix. Right. <laughs> what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? Okay, well. It sounds a lot better with, with first of all, with him singing it and with uh, obviously him playing guitar. Yeah, because he's like, you know, God on guitar. Yeah. So. Okay, so people that have bipolar disorder are often very um, conflicted because they have this manic side where they're very euphoric and just very creative and goal-directed and productive. Often, you know, they have that creative side that is... They yearn for that but it comes with a low it comes with a crash so he sounded as if like there's a positive to it like obviously being creative touching his soul but maybe feeling conflicted about what's to come basically that's how i hear it what do you what do you think about that yeah i feel like he understands it he acknowledges it and he's just going to for lack of a better phrase uh play the cards that he's dealt Mm -hmm. right because it is lifelong by the way you can't cure it get rid of it you can treat it but you definitely can't get rid of it and there's also a um, 
I don't know about his family history, clearly, but like there's a, fa- a strong family history with a bipolar disorder and a major depressive disorder. I know this because somebody posted a meme mm-hmm. about him and I did some research one night and for about an hour, I was just in this rabbit hole. And I saw what I dug up about Jimi Hendrix is that he was raised by his father. His mother had mental illness. And his father raised Jimmy and his brother. His father was in the military and so was very regimented and extremely strict with Jimmy and was a rough disciplinarian with Jimmy and his brother as far as keeping the room clean and certain things like that. So mm-hmm. that's a little bit of uh, what I know about his, his upbringing. But I mean, a family history of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know much about the father's side. There wasn't anything about the father's side of mental illness, but they did, or it was reported on his mother's side. But, you know, his father's, um, I guess his uh, strict upbringing, you know, was also a factor, you know, and obviously Jimmy growing up. So do you have questions for me today? Oh, yes, I do. So first of all, manic depression and bipolar disorder. What's the correlation? Well, bipolar disorder is manic depression. It used to be called manic depression up until the 1980 with the advent of the DSM-3. I guess they got rid of it because it was confusing, maybe. I don't know. They felt like bipolar disorder just encapsulated the uh, diagnostic criteria a little better and illness better. So yeah, that's why people often use it interchangeably, kind of like that discussion we had about ADHD and ADD where ADD doesn't exist. Right, right. It's ADHD now and, you know. Right. So they are one and the same, actually. It's one of roughly 10 personality disorders? No. Bipolar disorder is a mood disorder. It's not a personality disorder. Although it's often mistook for... Okay. And people suffering from bipolar disorder and they aren't aware, say if they go to their primary care physician because, say, they're severely depressed, what should take place with that primary care physician in order to maybe help that person just go about the correct avenue treating their bipolar disorder or helping them understand that they have it. Again, the the medical physician isn't trained necessarily for this, but what can they do? So unfortunately, most people go to their doctor, their family physician, when they're in the bipolar depression stage, they're not really going to seek treatment when they're manic because manic, by the way, is um, when you're feeling euphoric and elated and, you know, decreased need for sleep and happy. Yeah, it's like, I'm doctor, I'm in a great mood. Can you help me? Yeah. Nobody does that. And unfortunately, the bipolar depression is actually the most prevalent over the manic or the hypomanic phase. So they'll go to their family care physician and the family care physician, although they are, you know, medical doctors, they're not really, they're not trained in diagnosing or assessing bipolar. And by the way, it's difficult for us as practitioners to diagnose this too. It really should not be diagnosed on on a one visit. So very difficult to diagnose. They often go and the primary care physician, although they're well-intentioned, will erroneously prescribe an antidepressant like an SSRI and that can trigger a manic or hypomanic episode in that person. So best practice that is generally recommended is a family physician should (laughs) refer to a psychiatrist who has a specialty in mental health and mood disorders And if the person is not in therapy, refer them to a psychologist, preferably. If they are in therapy, then that primary care physician can reach out to us to kind of brainstorm ideas. I've done that multiple times where they knew that this wasn't really their area of expertise in mental health and that, uh, you know, they might have a mood disorder such as bipolar going on rather than just a unipolar depression. Like I said, it's really difficult to diagnose. There's really important screening questions that we even need to say Mm -hmm. to suss it out. What are other disorders that people generally confuse bipolar disorder? 
struggle with. Hmm. Well, that's a good question. A lot of times, you know, we talked about this before in the, I think in the diagnosis one that um, people will use it so liberal. I'm so bipolar. She's so bipolar. When it actually is a personality disorder, like borderline personality disorder, or sometimes even ADHD, it's or hyperactive. It looks like mania. Major depressive disorder, like I said, people present when they're depressed more than manic or uh, narcissistic personality disorder is often uh, missed, you know. Okay, well, you know, it's um, real quick before I forget, talking about personality disorders, you know, stemming off from bipolar disorder, when you mentioned personality disorders, there's a book I just started, it's called Breaking the Mirror, and it is a personal memoir of a psychologist who was married to a narcissist, and I just started it. Once I finish it, I'll tell you more about it. So far, so good, about maybe 20 pages in, but it's pretty interesting so far. So I really like personal memoirs, especially with, you know, people in the field, I guess, because there's a book kind of reminds me of it's a little bit different, but it is a book called The Unquiet Mind by Kay Redfield Jameson. She's a clinical psychologist diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So it's her personal account of actually having bipolar disorder. So I generally love to read memoirs, whether it's Matthew McConaughey, yeah, <laughs> Rob yeah. Lowe, or sure. Carrie Fisher. I read those, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Brady. <laughs> but um, that's a good book. And then The Bipolar Child is another great book by two medical doctors. I believe they're married. Okay. Janice Popolis and Dimitri Popolis, and they are in New York. Highly recommend that book for parents of children diagnosed with bipolar disorder. All right, so that's interesting. So what are, like, for children, are there signs that people can, parents can see, or, yeah, or even teachers or anybody in their life that they can identify bipolar disorder in children? So I was looking up statistics, and what I found in this uh, journal article is that it takes an average of 10 years for a child to be properly diagnosed with a bipolar disorder because it presents very differently in children than adults. And then for each year of untreated illness, bipolar youth have a 10% lower likelihood of recovery. So they go through their life often being diagnosed with like ADHD or maybe oppositional defiant disorder, but it looks different in kids. And some of the signs I'll tell you in a second. So there is an elevated mood. There's often hypersexuality. It's very common. In ADHD, it's not. These kids are very creative. They stay up all night. They might design a whole Lego system, you know, in the middle of the night or just write a whole book. There's a family history. It's very common in both, obviously, ADHD and bipolar. They have a flight of ideas, like jumping from topic to topic, and they're very excited and might have these, like, just racing thoughts and just, like, rapid speech. And irritable mood is very prominent, where actually in ADHD it's not as prominent. So it's really hard with kids, and it doesn't just come out of the blue, but we tend to notice it more during adolescence and pre prepubescent time, and there's a higher likelihood that they might self-harm, be self-injurious, or have suicidal ideation. So it's really important to get a good, thorough assessment with kids. Well, you mentioned that's difficult sometimes with kids because uh, kids, when they're excited about something, they generally do just mm-hmm. ramble on and on. And, it, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I know for a fact I go off on tangents all the time. So, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, but again, you have to check in more than one box. Yeah. And I mean, best practice for this is really doing a thorough assessment. There's self-report measures before jumping to meds. Families, it's really important for them to keep daily logs for at least two weeks to try and track mood, activity level, energy, frequencies of, you know, issues. Important to track medical records, good interview. And with an adult, same thing. You know, one of the ways in which I treat people with bipolar disorder is, you know, they take medication, often with a psychiatrist, like a mood stabilizer or an antipsychotic medication, but they also could benefit from psychotherapy, particularly cognitive behavioral therapy. Hmm. Keeping track of the moods is really 
important and kind of predicting the episodes because bipolar is thought to be on a spectrum. Like how bipolar are you, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's two types of bipolar disorder. Well, there's actually a few. Bipolar 1, bipolar 2 is the most common type. So bipolar 2 is like a less significant or severe uh, bipolar disorder than bipolar 1. Yeah, so it's, again, it's, it's not just a one-time deal. You got to really do a good job of assessing. And then the other issue is when people are manic, they want to stay manic. They don't want to take their medication. So they are non-compliant with their meds. So most people who are bipolar, they might be aware, but they're like, you know what? The trade-off is worth it. The highs are worth the lows. But if you have to be around that person during the lows, it's not a picnic. Yeah. And they don't really have a good level of insight. That's why a good assessment would involve a family member or a spouse because you can ask those pointed questions. Has there ever been a time when you can remember having boundless energy, getting things done, needed little sleep? And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, actually, I, I didn't sleep for four days. <laughs> or they might say no. And then their spouse or, or significant other parent is like, oh, yeah, like he was up like four days straight and cleaning the house like a fiend, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the other question is, you know, has there been a time when you felt so sad, down and withdrawn that you isolated that people noticed? Mm -hmm. Because again, people aren't good self-reporters with uh, bipolar disorder. And a lot of people, unfortunately, when they're medicated, they they complain about feeling numbed out and less creative because oftentimes they are maybe not the Jimi Hendrixes of the world, but they're artistic and poetic and, you know, uh, musicians. So they don't want to be blunted. Right, right. right? It takes away their art. Sure. And their creativity. What are some recommendations that you might have for parents if they believe that their children may have bipolar disorder? Well, like I said, getting a really good assessment is important and trying to find somebody that has a good amount of experience um, with bipolar disorder. A psychiatrist, a pediatric psychiatrist, sometimes the hospitals do a good evaluation. Like obviously we're near Philly, so Children's Hospital would do a good job or Jefferson, you know, would do a good job. Talk with the prescriber about how, you know, how they diagnose it. And also recommendations are asking, you know, pointed questions about medication side effects and their rationale for them, how they came up with the diagnosis and how they ruled out other diagnoses because it's so overly diagnosed, unfortunately. Have a medi- their medication evaluated every four months and then don't just kind of take it as a, okay, my kid has this. Getting another opinion would be good. Do you think it's also, I mean, I would think it would be helpful for whoever you're talking to if the parents kept a log or kept a journal of, you know, certain red flags that they might want to just document just to talk to the, you know, because again, like the child goes to a psychologist or psychiatrist, it's a small window for them to understand that child. Yeah, it's a major diagnosis. Like that kid's going to carry with them. It's stigmatized still, unfortunately, and they carry it with them on their medical records or through academically. And it's not just temper tantrums and irritability. Like what kid doesn't have a temper right, tantrum yeah, or irritability? Yeah. And there's a big difference between pediatric bipolar disorder and just kind of normal childhood development. Kids are irritable, especially when they're hormonal. They're going through a lot of changes up and down. So that, and often asking, hey, was there a person in the family that was hospitalized? Because oftentimes I'll say that and they'll be like, oh, yeah, there was Uncle Jimmy. Yeah, we don't like talking about Uncle Jimmy. So, yeah. and, did anybody commit suicide? It's like, yeah, well, no, like, we might want to talk are, about that. And, you know, right. I mean, they forget or they yeah. don't really talk about it. You know, like, oh, yeah, well, back then, remember, it wasn't really diagnosed as readily as it is now. Now it's the opposite swing where it's overdiagnosed. But it's like, oh, yeah, my grandma was hospitalized for, you know, trying to commit suicide or maybe somebody committed suicide. That's a red flag. That's always going to be a problem, I think, because like we talked about in our earlier um, podcasts, we talked 
about 40, 50 years ago, people didn't do this, or it was just a, you know, just a thing for women who, you know, needed attention or something like that. They were neurotic and, and, and hysterical. Yeah, and nobody thought that everybody could use this or, or that it should, needs to be documented. Just think of how many people who were bipolar and all these other, you know, that were never diagnosed and you have no idea in your family history. Because it's just like swept right. under the rug. Oh, definitely. Especially those generations. And, I, and you know, bipolar people can be fun. Like people, oh, that key's so fun. And they often have um, dual diagnosis with substance abuse, you know, because it's this abnormally upbeat, increased energy. They're going out, maybe right. uh, spending money, gambling, driving fast, risky, reckless behavior. That's a perfect segue, actually, for mm -hmm. uh, my game, because oh, there, okay. there are some fun bipolar people <laughs> that we're going to talk about. So right. this is the game. It's either major depressive disorder or bipolar. And these are celebrities okay. or and or historical, you know, uh, figures in right. history. I'll try my best. That, <laughs> yeah, so it's either or. So they have one or the other. They're either bipolar or they have suffered from major depressive disorder. Okay. All right. All okay. Right. So our first person here is Kurt Cobain. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure it was documented he had bipolar disorder, especially based on his song called Lithium. Right. Which, by the way, I have some a good amount of knowledge in psychopharmacology. Obviously, I'm not an MD, but lithium is still the gold standard to treat bipolar disorder. And it's difficult, you know, to use that because you have to constantly monitor the blood. But I would say bipolar disorder for Kurt Cobain and then unfortunately ended up you know, ending his life. Constantly monitor the blood for what reason? Oh, for lithium, because the therapeutic level is very close to the toxic level. So they have to constantly monitor oh. every three months or so. So it's an oldie but goodie, and it is still technically the only mood stabilizer. And most of the medications are used to treat the manic and the hypomanic episode, and the bipolar depression is more difficult to treat. There are some medications that are now used for that, but then you know everything comes with side effects. So yeah, so maybe he took lithium. I and and you are correct. Yeah, I am. Obviously. Okay. okay. So next. We have Russell Brand. Oh, gosh. Russell Brand. Then did he publicly come out and disclose the diagnosis of bipolar? Yes, he has done that. I mean, he's a hilarious I actor. mean, I, 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 you know, highs and like lows. He probably hides away from the camera, but I mean, I definitely see the highs. I don't think I've ever seen that man depressed. So that's another thing is like you often don't know the other side because they hide. Well, they don't you want know. you to see that. Well, yeah. I don't want you to see it. It's people close to them that know it because we right. see him as this hilarious comedian. I think he might actually have a podcast, actually. All right. And so with Russell Brand, we mm -hmm. once had this couple, Katy mm -hmm. Perry. They were together. They were yeah. together. I think they were. Yeah. I don't know if they were married for four, five minutes or they were mm. supposed to be married. Maybe they were. Yeah. yeah. I saw her in concert, actually. I guess I'm just going to go out on a limb and say major depressive disorder. Yes, major depressive. Because that would, they would be a dynamic duo with bipolar disorder and then if they had children that would dramatically increase their chances of their kids having yeah. bipolar 50 to 75 percent by the way if two people have bipolar to have their child have bipolar wow so she i never knew she heard to be depressed either i mean i just looked that up and um, i was like oh they were together at one time okay frank sinatra oh man so one or the other is what you're saying it's one or the other I want to say bipolar for Frank. Yes, he was. He was. I mean, I can't just assume everybody creative had bipolar, but you know. But no, I, I mean, but this there's but, a good chance, right? Right. Probably this some charismatic man. Yes, very charismatic. <laughs> very you know, highs and lows. It was considered manic depressive, and and again, some of these people are you know just based off of psychiatrists or psychologists and what they assume based on what they read and what they researched. So I mean, kind of like it seems like yes, they fit the criteria. Right. right. Frank wasn't clinically diagnosed as being manic depressive. But many agree. Okay, the next, staying with the New Jersey theme, mm -hmm. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, wow. 
Bruce Springsteen. Good Lord. Major depressive disorder? Yes. Um, you listen to most of his songs. He is you know? a depressed man. He's, it's yeah. how he sings. <laughs> and, you know, but I mean, he makes the pain work for him, I guess. Right. You know, yeah. in his singing People, and his that performing. Is how they work through their pain, by the way, like their sadness and just their depression. They tell their story or they're it's very like relatable, I guess. Right. His songs are relatable. Yeah. They can, yeah obviously, you know, we've all been in that, you know, in that rut. And so it's something we can all identify with. Well, it destigmatizes it, by the way. We're right. having these individuals come out because yeah. people feel really alone and stigmatized with these diagnoses, even depression, major depressive disorder. Next, we have John Hamm. And if uh, some people aren't aware, because the show has been off the air for a while, but um, he is uh, was Dom Draper on Mad Men. But we're talking about the actor, John Hamm, not Dom Draper, who had other issues, the character. But, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we already pegged him as yeah. a narcissist in our segment on that. Okay. Bipolar disorder? No, he was, yeah. it was um, major depressive disorder is what he, I, I wonder, guess. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I wonder no. if on the show, did you remember towards the end when he they showed his past, his military past? Yeah, yeah. He seemed like he was depressed. Like he maybe that was why he did a good job. Well, it was easy for him to tap into that that's part, right? Saying. Yeah, if he could connect with that. So right. he actually had MDD. Okay, next we have Winston Churchill. All right, I'm going to say major depressive disorder for Winston. No, actually yeah. bipolar. He was diagnosed. No, but that's think. what historians look at yeah. and his highs and lows, apparently, or from uh, journals or what people have read about him or wrote about him. Yeah, that's what they... Uh, that's what they, that's, they deduced. Yeah, so right. I'm like, okay. Yeah, people can do great things with their mental illness, right? Yeah, and again, I, I knew I knew he was a chain smoke cigars and mm -hmm. binge drink, gin, oh yeah. Well, that's the thing, like I said before, dual diagnosis, like people, it's kind of like chicken or egg, like are they manic and then using substances or using substances and then, you know, getting manic? Sure. Because, sure. you know, alcohol is obviously a depressant. Right. J.K. Rowling. Okay, so I know this from my little bit on her major depressive disorder. Yes, she yes. That. I think because of her marriage, a lot to do with her marriage. Ernest Hemingway. Bipolar disorder? Bipolar. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, um, he committed suicide. Yeah. So that's an extreme low that I would, you know, I guess identify with an extreme low for bipolar. Um, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson, bipolar disorder. For yeah, bipolar, yes. Or at least that's his excuse. Well, I'm not, I don't, no, I'm I, I, listen, <laughs> I'm not looking to excuse anybody for anything they said or done, but he's bipolar. Now, other people on this list who are bipolar haven't said anything derogatory uh, that he has. So, you know, that doesn't <laughs> that we mean, know of. Yeah. yeah, that we know, at least yeah. Yeah, exactly that we know of or that has been publicly said mm -hmm. by him. Carrie Fisher. All right. So I actually read her memoir. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, bipolar disorder. Bipolar. Yes. Yeah, and she had substance abuse issues as well. Well, is that Alcohol. maybe a way for people to masquerade the bipolar? Oh, for sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, also when, you know what, they could drink when they're euphoric, manic, or when they're depressed, clearly people drink. So like on both ends of the spectrum. Okay. It helps both ends. I'm just kidding. Yeah. All right. Jim Carrey. Gosh, he's a character to say the least. I would say bipolar disorder. I would have thought so too. Yeah, no. It was major depressive. And they oh. said that how he conquered it yeah. was he stopped mm -hmm. taking, the, what's that? The medication. The medication, because I think he would abuse it. And he would basically, when he would crash, it would like yeah. make the lows even deeper and deeper and lower and lower. Oh, wow. So he overcompensated with comedy, kind of like Robin Williams. I think that's what he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? And then Robin Williams, I mean, I should have looked him up. I didn't look him up. He would have been a good one to just see what mm -hmm. people wrote about him. And then finally, I didn't know this. And I wanted to include him because he directed what I believe is the greatest movie of all time, Francis Ford Coppola. 
Bipolar disorder for Francis? Yes. Well, manic depressive at the time, 1977, when he was diagnosed, um, take, got medication. And I think, but I think that was during a time when he was trying to, uh, wait, was that before Godfather? That was after Godfather and Godfather too. And it was, I think right around the time he was trying to direct Apocalypse Now, which I heard was a huge, yeah, but I mean, getting it made and, you know, was a big uh, headache for him because I heard he was using his own money Mm because he wanted it a certain way and, and he was just like yeah so um he was going through a lot so yeah that's uh the end of the celebrity list now what i also have here and i'm just gonna rattle them off it's a short list because i was when i'm trying to put together a game i'm like okay i either go with real characters or fictitious characters so here are some fictitious characters mm-hmm. that have bipolar which i just wanted to just Fit give a shout out either. to yeah so we have spongebob oh yeah which i could see i mean all these people he's I, bipolar well, yeah well he's <laughs> bipolar yeah so he's you know either really high or really depressed and really low Harley Quinn. Oh, Harley Quinn. Yeah. She, well, she's you know, she's interesting because she was a psychiatrist in the comic. You know, I didn't know her backstory. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Birds of Prey was a good... Well, it's like silly, but whatever. It's no, a, it's okay. I, you know, as long as there's a, a good little story yeah, she nestled was, in. Uh, yeah. She was a psychiatrist treating the Joker. Oh, that's and right. And she of course... She fell she, in love with him. Well, of course, yeah. Why, what's not to love about the Joker? Right, right. Even antisocial personality. So she then became, you know, a bad girl. So All maybe right. she had that going on. All right. <laughs> This one's interesting. I don't know enough about the story, uh-huh. but Alice from Alice in Wonderland really? is considered bipolar. Wow. I don't know enough about the story or how, what are the clues or what oh, are the... Oh gosh, we're going to have to watch it now. I think, Look yeah, that's a good little, um, you know... Well, I thought she was tripping. <laughs> I thought she was, she took, ate some mushrooms or something. You know, that could be a good, you know what we can do uh, as a part of the podcast, maybe I can show you a movie that you've never seen. Okay. And I know a little bit about the character and I want to see what, how you would diagnose the character. Oh, that'd be fun. Just based off of what you watch in the film. Just what it could possibly Just be. what you see. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 We're definitely going to have to check that out and see. Yeah. I really thought it was just her on some trip. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And this one is, you know, I was going to leave it out, but I'm like, eh, why not? Uh-huh. So Dr. Jekyll, go figure, is considered what? bipolar, but no, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> no, but that's what a lot of people, you know, Jekyll and Hyde and, and no, you know, the, the duality of personalities. Yeah. Personality disorder though. Yeah, I, obviously, but I just figured I'd throw him in there because, well, you know, it's always good to throw in Dr. Jekyll because he's a doctor. Was he a medical doctor? Was he a psychologist or psychiatrist? No, I believe he was a medical doctor. He medical doctor? Experiments, I think, right? That's right. Yeah. No, because he came up with a potion. Oh, the potion. Yeah. Didn't he drink it? You know what? Now I well, want to look into that more. That reminds me of like comic, like DC and Marvel comics where they have an act, freak accident and then they become like a villain or right. they become, you know, superhero because of the uh, tragic accidents. Well, yeah. I mean, and that, and that, we even talked about that. Like a lot of times these villains started out well, they were heroes at one time, uh-huh. but um, yeah, I, you know, I need to read up on my Dr. Jekyll too. I really, cause I, people always just mention that or talk about it, but I, I want to know a little bit more about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think we can all we have a little bit of a homework assignment to do. huh? Yeah, I do. I just gave it to myself. <sighs> so speaking of TV shows and movies, you know, the best, Best show that I saw that really did a good job of depicting the actual like true bipolar disorder was Homeland. I love Homeland and mm-hmm. Carrie Matheson on there was amazing. Claire Danes, she did an amazing Yeah, that's right. Claire Danes played her. She's a great actress. She did a good job. And then I guess the second next would be The Silver Linings Playbook. I read the book and saw the movie. That was pretty good too. I don't know. I just I really like that movie. You like that movie? Well, it was Philly. Was Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Bradley who Cooper. is from the area. Right. I mean, De Niro's in it. Right. They're right. Eagles fans. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love <laughs> 
things I can identify with. You know, I'm trying to remember if I listen to, so I often listen to audio books, audible books, because I'm driving you know, back and forth to work and stuff. And I want to say that in this rare instance, I like the movie better than the book. I kind of liked it better. Oh, really? That's rare. It is rare. Let me ask you a question. Was Claire Danes in Silver Lining's playbook too? I don't think so. Who played, he had his one friend. Like the girl for the girl that he had a crush on. Not her, but the friend that he went to dinner. Yeah. His wife. Hmm. I want to Google it now. Yeah, look it up. I'm just curious now. So you want to How know. funny would it be that she was in both, obviously, in a supporting role in Silver Linings Playbook? Because you know, she had a smaller role. Jennifer Lawrence? No. Keep going. Julia Stiles? That's it. Okay. I got her confused with Claire Danes. Okay. Oh, right. They're both mostly blonde. Right. <laughs> For the most part. Right. Okay. What did she play? She played- uh, Veronica? In that show? Or that movie, I mean? Claire Danes isn't in that movie, right? I don't see her. Okay, then she's okay. Then it must be uh, Julia Stiles. All right, so we are just going to wrap up. So summarizing, what did we learn today? And what could we, what are our takeaways today, what do you think? Bipolar disorder is a mood, not personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And that there are extreme highs and extreme lows. Mm -hmm. And not all the time, but often people who suffer from it want to the highs are worth the compromise of dealing with the lows in some cases or they feel like it's worth it right. and they so, don't want to give that up yeah um but more times than not they realize that it's too much for other people and for themselves eventually i think they get to that breaking point yeah, as with most things, it's it's really hard to, you know, convince people to stick with the treatment because they really get mellowed out and they miss the highs and also convincing them it's worth it in the long run. Like, okay, yeah, you're not going to have this extreme high. You can still be creative and you can still write and you can still record and produce. But oftentimes they also might get blowback from their friends and family. Like, oh, you used to be fun and now you're not. Yeah, that's not really responsible of them, yeah, is it? It isn't. It's like, oh, you're the life <laughs> you used to be party. more fun when you were crazy. <laughs> you're the life, that's great. You're the life Thanks. You know, yeah. Right. And in order to meet criteria for bipolar disorder, you have to have at least one manic episode and depressive episode for bipolar one and bipolar two is one hypomanic episode, major depressive disorder. That's like telling a comedian, because I know there's some comedians, Sam Kennison, Artie Lang, that they've been told mm -hmm. that uh, you're funnier when you're drunk and you're high. Oh gosh. Yeah. And it's like, and when that's their profession, mm -hmm. you know, when they're very, mm -hmm. and they're very sensitive and, and, mm -hmm. you know, worried about, you know, maintaining their they're funny. Interested. Yeah. Well, people see them in that way. Like they're, you know, like, you're the funny person or you're just like we go out and party all weekend and you're the center of attention or you're just the class clown they get positive reinforcement for that sure. part of their personality you know and then they you know they're secretive maybe about the crash right the two or three people that they let into their worlds or that are in it or maybe they feel responsible parent you know spouse brother sister yeah it's really important for bipolar disorder that there's a kind of a family component with that you know because they really need a lot of support and also for you as a clinician to get like I said an accurate kind of idea of what's going on because people often will misrepresent themselves not necessarily in a lying way I mean, maybe they are lying or just minimizing it like oh no it wasn't that bad I spent and then the spouse is like well well, she spent $10,000, you know, last week. So there's excessive spending or alcohol use. People tend to minimize or lie about that. Okay. So thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. As we mentioned, we're available on all major podcast platforms. You can find us there. Email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. We would love your feedback, questions, you know, ideas for future topics. Mm -hmm. We try our best to provide a flavor a variety of topics for you. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. Thank you.